Hello everyone, welcome to my podcast, This and the Design Model. I have another guest speaker joining me today. Would you like to introduce yourself? Hello, I am Lindsay Dunlevy and I am a teacher of the deaf. I thought we can chat more about what Lindsay's done and her job as a teacher of the day and what made her design to become a teacher of the day. Would you like to explain? Absolutely. Um, I trained as a primary teacher. So by trade, I was a primary teacher for just under a decade. I had my wee girl, went off on maternity leave, and when I came back, you know that way you get itchy feet and you're like, I want to do something different. I just, I needed either a challenge or something to reignite that passion. I think I, I lost my enthusiasm a little bit after having my wee girl. So in all honesty, I wasn't necessarily looking to be a teacher of the deaf. It almost just happened. There was a job locally came up. And even though it was in a secondary school, my old secondary school, they were saying, we take primary teachers because you're a kind of jack of all trades. You have an element of like all the subjects. So went for the interview, got it. And the only thing I remember thinking at the time was, I don't know if I'll do a good enough job. Like, I don't know if I can give them the kind of the service that they need. I was really concerned that I had always been with um, primary kids. So I'd always worked with primary one, primary two and primary three. I had never went higher. So I was always in the infants. So when this job came up, went for the interview, got it and was like, oh, okay, do I take it? And I was, I was so excited, I think, for the challenge. But then there was that realisation of, <gasps> that's a whole new job. It's a totally different, oh, it isn't, it isn't. There's parts of it that are very different. And you're working with teenagers. That's very different. <laughs> but there's parts of it, just teaching in general, um, the skills are so transferable that I thought, no, I, I can do this. And part of taking the job I had to agree to do a postgrad so I had to agree to another degree basically to be a qualified teacher of the deaf so I am not officially qualified yet um, I think I've got another over oh, the way it works out another year and a half or so um, but yeah it's another degree on top of my teaching degree that I already have so I feel teachers out there uh, they teach me in your primary school mm-hmm. or in a high school, but they're not teaching you there. And if they do want to become a te- teacher every day, where can they find? Like, what calling? How, where, where do they go? So there are only. I did a bit of research and I thought it was very hard to find. Mm-hmm. It made me think I'm worried about the shortage because it's so hard to yep. find. So, would you be able to explain that? How do you find the the courses training? I think if you were to search teacher of the deaf training, I think I may be wrong. Someone can correct me. There's only two places in the UK that I know of. One of them is Edinburgh, so the University of Edinburgh. Right, have you done that as well? And the second place I think is Birmingham. So I know that some teachers of the deaf in Scotland choose to go through 
Birmingham University. And do I do more or do they got to go on in university? Both. I think and that's pre-COVID, pre-pandemic, it was some of the work was in uni and some of it was online. Right. A bit like Open University where you're doing some of it yourself um, and some of it you're going down to Birmingham. But um, myself and some of my colleagues, we are going through the University of Edinburgh. Fantastic. So Edinburgh is the only one in Scotland? Yes. So we've got that many universities, like Day Andrews, Glasgow, Jack High, and none of them offer teacher every day. So I don't know much about teachers. If someone left, do I want to become a teacher? Where do they go to learn? So for teacher... Edu- like when, when you became a teacher, what college did you go to? So I was Strathclyde. Um, so there's lots of courses There's more for primary and secondary? Yeah, there's more options, I would say, with primary and secondary. You've got your Glasgow, your Strathclyde, um, West of Scotland, I think, have a course as well that I know people have been on. Um, but I think with being a teacher of the deaf, it's so specialised. And obviously then you're looking for the staff to do the training, so the lecturers and um, the sort of the tutors that come out to obviously observe you teaching so the tutors need to come out and visit us doing placements and to see us teaching pupils of the deaf um deaf pupils i should say um so it's so specialized i think that's why it's so i'm a teacher courses when you were at uh, university doesn't mention at all about having children like with autism or being there at the end of that or just all about training to be a teacher? So part of your general teaching degree, so whether you're primary or secondary, it looks at what they, they kind of, the umbrella term of additional support needs. So you're looking at um, pupils who perhaps need more support or a different pathway. So that is part of it where, as you've mentioned, you, you'll maybe touch on ASD pupils, so pupils on the autistic spectrum, um, Anyone that's sort of neurodivergent, so someone that's got a slightly different brain, whether it's ADHD or um, ADD, so there's other ones. I don't really remember, if I'm being honest, I don't really remember visual or hearing impairment being spoken about. And I think the assumption is they'll be catered for by someone else. They'll be looked after by a specialist. They'll have an expert and they're not going to be my priority almost not priority but someone else will help me because I'm worried about that actually a lot of deaf children are now going to there are not very many deaf children most of them are closed down those children now who are going to primary high school have to go into mainstream but my teachers are not teachers every day so if you're not mentioning that and the teachers like Jack Crown Uni and all that, that that's pretty hard because they've done the event to a school somewhere and it's got no deaf unit, no support and the teacher have a deaf tire. To me, that's wrong. 
The stood have above the poor and me and Jack and Craig, you do have a type town and no more aware. I'm not talking about full on training, it's more like a deputy training. Add more that. Yeah, and I think that's what most schools do really, that then there is that deaf awareness training when there's a deaf child. I think that um, the support is given to teachers when they've got a deaf pupil, so it's almost like there's so much to be taught at the teacher training level to become a teacher that to throw in lots of complicated um, other avenues that it would get maybe just too much. So almost is when you have a pupil that has that need then you seek the training, then you are offered the support. And it would be either an outreach teacher, like a peri- we call them peripatetic teachers. I'd never heard. I cannot even do that one. <laughs> I'm not doing that one. I'd a dead person, that one. It won't come out of my mouth. So if I, Peri- if I want to do that one, I'll get Linky's handy to speak for me. I can't. So we call them peri-teachers. I had never heard of that before being a teacher of the deaf. So a peripatetic teacher, try spelling that, is basically a teacher who goes out from one unit and goes out to lots of different schools. So I suppose if a teacher does have a deaf pupil in their class, they are getting support and they will be given that deaf awareness training. But as you say, it's only when... The pupil is in their class and almost like, is that too late? Is that too little? Um, but they can teach you that video. Yeah. So that person won't be teaching that child for seven time no. years, so that's what I'm so, you know. Um, yeah. And I think most, I know you're saying that most pupils these days go into mainstream, which they do. There's that assumption of mainstreaming now, which um, I am currently writing an essay on. And even just looking at the pros and cons, there are a lot of pros for mainstreaming. However, we are very aware of the difficulties. And it's the obstacles, I think, of making just the curriculum and the school in general accessible, just making it accessible for all children. So I know that... Cheryl, you're coming at it from a deaf perspective, but think of all the other kids who who maybe have that neurodivergence of autism, ADHD, a visual impairment, even just to wear glasses, making sure that resources and the teaching methods, everything are accessible That's to what all. I was thinking, putting that on top of it, it's all aware. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I find that so important. It is, it's a hard one to juggle and I think loads of teachers out there, any teacher listening to this has been in that predicament of you're trying to teach, say, maybe a class of 33 and you have possibly, well, you do have 33 individuals who all learn differently, who all have different needs, whether it's a recognised, diagnosed additional need or whether... They've just had a bereavement in the family or they've just had uh, they've just moved house. There's so many things that as a teacher you're juggling to make sure everyone's needs are met. And that's it now sounds massive saying all that out loud, but that's the job of a teacher. That's 
the enormity, I think, that sometimes I do feel where you go, oh, I need to make sure that you're all fulfilling your potential and you're all getting something out of this. It's massive, it is. It's, it's a, a very enormous topic to cover in one session. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, um, yeah, got him well done. He then bring it to and uh, he got it on a do with our teacher every day, and they'll get one every year, and it's a part from him, and I mean, mm-hmm. but I'm lucky, I have that though, if I was far away, and there wasn't any still, I would condemn me, as a parent, how much the part they would get, so that's why I wanted to talk more about that, so other parents can let me, lots of knowledge and information, so when the town's ready to start to yeah. because it's hard for them to make it different. And I think part, part of my studies and everything that I've looked into, so here's a statistic. 90% of deaf children come from hearing adults, mm-hmm. come from hearing parents. So there's no knowledge of deaf awareness, deaf culture, deaf identity. So when you add that into the mix... The parents tend to rely quite heavily on the experts, usually medical experts. So usually your audiologist, um, your health visitor from kind of early, early years. So you're relying on them telling you what's best for your child. You're relying on, well, I don't know what's best for a deaf individual. Mm -hmm. What should I do? So them telling you, the parents almost being told, well, this is the school they should go to. This is, this would be better for them. And it's a trust thing. It's a, you have to trust that they know what they're talking about and that they will have the best interest of your child at heart. And again, throwing into the mix now cochlear implants, the choices of what aids to use, the choices of signing, speaking, it's a massive responsibility on a parent and obviously being a a parent myself where you think, oh, it's just responsibility one after the other, there's always something to worry about. So I think now, and I I don't know the half of it, I, I don't, I only teach deaf students I still don't, I have a kind of, a foot in the door. I don't know what it's like to live. Well, I'm glad you mentioned that because I was telling you from my experience, from my mum, when I was, I went to nursery. After I went to nursery, I started when I was three at that time because I felt I need to um, catch up, you know what I mean? To find. But before, I don't know if it was before or after that, but my mum had an expert come to the house and she said to her, you know I'm going to laugh at this, she said to her, I don't think your child is going to talk. I think you should go learn dynamics. Well, my mum, she was devastated. She was like, but I don't have anybody deaf in the family. 
I don't have a lot of information. I just felt because a long time ago the information about the culture, the community wasn't very much out there. So my mum said, I'm going to follow my heart. And she said, I'm going to uh, teach her how to talk. I'm going to see how to get it done. So she knew she done me strong. That she was stuck on my knee. And she would, would look at me and I would copy her lap. And we would do all that. And uh, but I started to beat and to go, right, OK, let's keep doing it. And I got a lot of support from my grandpa as well. They've all kind of like, you know, and I had to be therapy. And now I'm doing a podcast. I know. No, I don't think they will ever talk. Well, I'm on, my po- I'm on a podcast talking. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but um, over to the dynamic, did I... Well, I learned to time. But I'm going to be honest. I was shooting a donny. And I borrowed my donny. And I felt I've done what I can. Yeah. And I've met my husband who's dead and he's dying. Do I learn dying from him? Do I was able to do both at that time? So if you mean. I am who I am. Yeah. So, um, for the parents out there, just follow on the internet. If you want the child to learn to dine, that's up to you. If you want the child to talk, that's up to you. Don't be forced into making it to And you know the one thing that we did I'm doing this podcast? I think it's time for the parent or even children, listen to more the people who are there. Yep. The people who have experienced their life. Like me, at a 13 year, 34 year old, going through school, college, career, I can brain and talk about my difficult, the new can picture what you want from your child, not listen to the expert, because right. the expert hadn't gone through what I went through. I think remembering. Did you go back to test it? Yes. And I feel. I don't know what, I could be wrong. The audiologist, all that, I don't see any deaf people working for them. And I'm quite hard to understand that. Why, you know, I'm probably more deaf uh, people in there. They can do more. They might be difficult to do audiologist, but they are the way. Yeah. And if a parent goes down and give a deaf person doing their job and then they have a chat, that would help so much, wouldn't it? I think that's what I was going to say. The experts are coming from the research. So their decisions and their knowledge is coming from a research point of view. So um, they're not making things up. It's coming from research. However, as you mentioned, they don't have that experience. They don't have what it is like to be in a world that doesn't cater for them. So when I did my deaf studies unit, which I loved, our lecturer was a signer and she had two translators. Wow. Uh, Translators? Interpreters. Interpreters. 
So. Oh, I did a credit to the band. No, no, it's interpreters. No, I realised I'd yeah, made a mistake. So she had two interpreters who were amazing. She was mind-blowingly brilliant. Um, and I think as well, the the kind of the, the chat and the work that we did for the deaf studies was around your deaf identity, your deaf community, your deaf awareness. And it was very eye-opening that there was someone from our school. We went to the same school, just me. Add that in there. There was someone from our school, so bearing in mind that's where I'm now back teaching, who after school now completely signs. She doesn't, she's not vocal at all. She signs fully. And she felt she hadn't been given the right options. She hadn't been given that choice and that sort of route into the deaf world. Because I don't know how you'll feel, but I think a lot of the deaf identity is, well, I've got hearing friends and I speak to them. Then I've also got my deaf partner or I've got my deaf friends and some of them sign. And so you almost, you feel pulled. Like, who are you as a person? Am I deaf? Oh, well, you don't sign. But then I've got my hearing friends. Oh, but do they always fully know what I'm going through? It, it's so hard. And I think from a teacher of the deaf point of view, just seeing that in our young people and knowing that sometimes the difficulties they're having are partly to do with their deafness. It's coming from that struggle and that identity and where do I fit in the world and why is there not more for me? Why is there not more representation, as you say, of deaf professionals, deaf people working in those roles that support deaf people? Where are they? And again... The full circle is a catch-22 of our education doesn't always support the deaf individual. So how do they go on to further education to become qualified to work in that medical profession or to work in education and be the deaf role model that the deaf pupils need? It's right. so hard because it all it's, it's a cycle, isn't it? It's finding finding um, accessible ways to allow deaf people into those roles, into those jobs. Right. I've got a question. Go for it. You've explained that very well. And then... I hope so. <laughs> I'm going to... Right. Because I... I can't remember how many years ago, but I was still... But I'm 34, so... How many years ago was that? 17, 18. Uh, oh, we're so old, Cheryl. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Uh, yes. Well, A long time. Well, when I would do, uh, uh, that, uh, that really, really annoyed me. How many dubs do they have a day? Good question. So, in first to first and second year, where you've got your broader general education, I think I want to say 14, 14 subjects. In our school, one of them 
they choose the hearing impaired department so they choose to come to the unit right so they come to the hearing impaired department instead of learning a modern language that's how it works in our school I'm not sure about other schools. So in first and second year, you've got about 14 subjects. And then in your third and fourth year, which we know as standard grades, now it's called Nat 5, Nat 4, National 5, National 4. That's what they're called now. I think it's eight. But again, our deaf students, they choose seven. And if they want, it's a choice, if they want, one of the subjects is the hearing impaired department so that they're getting that extra support and they're getting time in the unit or in our department to concentrate on other subjects and almost consolidate and go over what they've been learning. Because without our teacher, I would in the morning, have my, then I had biology, and then I had drama, then I had PE, then I had do many more. Do the teacher every day go to Africa? No. But then they're not getting a hundred percent. I know. Because I remember when I was at high school, when I went to one class that I didn't have teacher every day, I had a, I was I, I was very anxious. I knew I wasn't going to get all the information. I would talk to other people what they were doing. I would to put my hand up and make a fool of myself. I was in for the whole, I never forget that, for the whole hour. I was looking at the time going, hurry up, hurry up, hurry up. I've loved that. Mm-hmm. The whole too. Yeah. It was awful. I mean, I, I need to go up in the morning and think, oh, I can't wait to be through. That is like second year. I've got a long way to go. And then, when the teacher do, do you come into the class? And you're like, you concentrate and you're doing your work. Mm-hmm. But, the start of you, different from your friend at that point, yep. doing a run. <laughs> then I'm like, I got involved with my friends in class, even though I'm a dancer, but what I do have the teacher to do, I feel... They all didn't know me because it's bad they were a teacher there. And I'm thinking, it's giving me mad. Yep, I get it. And I, we see that now with, as a teacher of the deaf, you don't want to single the student out and you don't want them to feel so different. But at the same time, it's funny because some of them are like, oh, here she comes, like, oh, teacher of the deaf, like, oh. Oh, like, that's my time, I would definitely teacher of the deaf well, come in. I think, I think they are. So you saying that is very interesting because that's what they show us. So they're like, oh, I can't believe, oh, I can't believe you're here. Oh. But I think there's that relief for some of them. Some of them are vocal about it. So some of them will say like, Oh, I'm so glad you're here, and I need I need you for this bit, or I need you to help me. But most of the time, it is a fine balance. It is a very delicate juggle for us because we do support in class. So the subject teachers at the front, going over the activities, going over what they have to do, and we're sitting beside the deaf student, and either um, so I use a whiteboard quite a lot, so I'll write down tasks or things that have been said 
We also we use technology quite a lot now, so we've got um, amazing. So we've got a team. We'll, we'll come on to that later, but we've got technology that helps us where we can quickly add photos or things onto their team or onto a notebook online. Oh, that no, I would think. But okay. and so we have that to support the pupil and do as much as we can when we're with them because we know those periods where they have no one. Right. There will be those feelings for some of them. Some of them cope okay. Some of them, some of our deaf students will tell us. They'll say, "I'm fine in that class. Like I don't need you." And you're like, mm, "Are you saying that? Do you really need me?" But it's it can feel awkward's not the right word. I think it's awkward for the teenager, but. You want them to feel included in the class and you want them to be with their friends and getting that secondary school, high school experience. So that's why we're in class with them. Then you've got an adult sitting with you. I mean, that's not cool. So how can you do <laughs> what class can you just be on with them? Um, it comes down to... The way the timetable works is we'll look at, obviously, all the students we have starting really from the top with our fifth and sixth years who have got exams, who have got a real need before they leave school, then coming down to third and fourth year of, again, exams, national fives, national fours, who needs that extra support or who needs support at all. Um, and then your first and second years, you're supporting those kids who have just arrived, who are just that transition from primary to secondary is oh, it's huge for some of them. It's it's terrifying. So it's spreading us as evenly and as fairly amongst the pupils as we can, mm-hmm. and making sure that maths and English is covered. Um, your social subjects, where you've got your geography, your history, your religious, moral. Um, modern studies they're covered science as well ones where the vocabulary is so new the even just the techniques and the the processes the way that they answer questions and the things that they're looking for that's so new to them that we need to make sure that those subjects are covered where we sometimes don't give them support would be in things like art, drama, PE, things where we assume, not assume, that's the wrong word, where where we know because it's more um, practical or they'll be more hands-on, there's a lot less for a teacher of the deaf really to do, to help with, because given that there's deaf awareness training for all their teachers and all their teachers are aware of what to put in place for those students there's instructions that there should be instructions on the board um there should be written typed instructions given to the pupil so that they know what's needed um visual things as well to help them so there are certain subjects where we take a step back because we assume that they should cope more without us the need, the greater need is in your maths and English, that your basics are getting covered and getting covered well. That's, I think, 
I'm speaking from my experience. I'm putting that out there. And you know what? Because <laughs> there will be other schools and other teachers of the deaf who go, that's not how we do it, or mm. it works differently in our school. So that's my experience. Yeah. You know what? I don't think I had changed from when I went to school. I think it's very much the same. Okay. But there's one thing I would like to ask. Yes. It's been of passion. Why do you know? Uh, why do you know? Like, for example, I've done a lot of research on apps and stuff like that. And I, 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 I'm actually researching every day because I go to events. I've been going to so many things. Mm. And don't even, don't even go with uh, booking and tabling and stuff like that. It's been that hard. Yeah. But I, I think, actually, I was just thinking there are apps and stuff like that, mm-hmm. like what this is the app the phone, I'm looking more into it. Ah, they had a phone or an iPad, I don't know if it worked on an iPad, and so mm-hmm. that link, like, like there's a microphone, Bluetooth microphone, I can't, yep. and I can be plugged into something, like the other way, but I'm not very technical, I'm not going to explain, but I found something, so when you teach it through the microphone, that I, that I, what they do and come up with an iPad. Okay, yeah. Imagine them having an iPad and whenever teachers speaking, everything comes up. Okay, like live captioning? Yeah. Okay. But at the tech. Yeah. So if you're looking to the teacher, you can start when you want with your friend. Mm-hmm. You know, I have to go come to the front. You know what I mean? I need to go up to the front, I'm thinking. I want to be with my friend, you know what yes. I mean? But it has independent and so with a technology mm-hmm. like them like different there are different types of death you know there are people who hard of hearing there are people who mild moderate severe and profound mm-hmm. so some can quote the other but I'm profoundly deaf and I rely so much on support from someone so yeah but if I had that, it would be amazing. It's time for new technology. Yeah. I think two things with that. First one, the obvious one that jumped into my head is budget and money. So the cost... What if they plan their own? Yeah. Again, it's the... Those dollars don't shut up. No. But um, I just find everything to do with money. Yep. It got hard for deaf people to hear yeah. because they're like, they're not interested in us. Because I'll be honest, I've got, um, I just had my cochlear implant three years ago. Mm-hmm. We could only get one. And they want to focus more on children, but I 100% agree so they can have two. Yeah. But I don't know what that would be for teenagers. I haven't asked that yet, but. It's different you know, for different people, yeah. different, I just feel when it's day funding or we do something, it really, honestly, and I, we are like crying, we yeah. are like, it's always going to be a barrier, it's always going to be something that making life harder. Yeah, I think so, the first thing was funding just, and again, this isn't from us, this is way above us. So this is government stuff. This is choosing 
at local authority level, where, as you say, the money goes? Who, who gets that funding and why? Second thing I would say about the technology is technology is wonderful when it works and we've all watched YouTube clips when it's automated. So I'm thinking that that app is like automated live captioning. So would you rather be getting maybe 50% of the information and 50% is wrong? Or would you rather rely on support when you get it in person? No, that, that's a hypothetical well, question. That's like a... There's another thing. Yeah. There are the... I can't do that. That's what would be here. But I'm a typist. No. The typist. Uh, right. That when something's working in the office. Yep. That I've been to an event. I was quite good at it. I had a screen. Mm-hmm. Do you have to do any child that get adopted? Mm-hmm. They would have different people and different. They can go and. Well, the problem is there's too many deaf people. But. There's not too many deaf people, it's just there's a lot of deaf people. No, I mean. <laughs> there's not enough deputies to support yep. all deaf people, though mm-hmm. we can't. But. I'm trying to raise more awareness, don't there could be more people uh-huh. coming in? Yeah. So if you're down for the planet, I'm going to teach them speaking through the microphone, that it's a human typing. Yeah. Not like typing in. And it's like a TV. And it comes up. Yeah. There you have the accuracy then. And again, as much funding. as it pains me, it's funding and it's staffing. It's who is qualified to do that job. Who... Ha- is at an accurate level of typing and that I mean that's a hard job to listen to someone speaking live and type everything they say um so again but they've got a special tool I think dot cut and stuff yeah okay they don't actually type they've got the I'm, I'm amazed by what they do honestly so again that's something where schools need to be looking forward and I think looking at what is available to us um time as well so the the time runs away from you in school most teachers will agree that it's time to research that and again you're sitting at home going what else can I find that take that to the school ask them I suppose take it to your counsellor your local MSP actually saying where is the funding going what funding is there for deaf pupils is this an option? Um, so again, it's going higher up than the school and asking for it, but it's the fact that you even have to do that, that you have to fight for <laughs> ways to make it accessible. Could I think it's something that's been hidden? Like, all the people did go on with it. So I'm going to do a wee story there. I'm going to... Uh, let's see where it is because it's quite emotional for me so I'm going to be honest right I'm going to ask that question first do I, do I have guidance teachers or that finished? no 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 so now the way our school works is so we're now called pupil support teachers so pupil support teachers 
are your guidance teacher, but now nearly every teacher in the school is a pupil support teacher. So I have, let me get this right, I have about 15 pupils on my caseload. Um, so every teacher, if they're, if they work four days or more, I think it works out, has a pupil support remit. So nearly everyone's a guidance teacher to somebody. So there are still pupil support teachers. In fact, there's more. Because it used to only be like two for each house group, wasn't it? Or three for each house group. And you, you, they were one. One of them was your guidance teacher. But now nearly every teacher in the school is a pupil support teacher. And we all have less of a caseload. And did that help them? I would say so. I think I... Probably the people... Did that help them? I think so because I think you have less... As a teacher, from our point of view, from a pupil support perspective, you really know your pupil support kids. You know who they are. Um, You can meet up with them when necessary. You've got that interaction with the parents rather than not even knowing who your guidance teacher was when we were younger. (laughs) You were like, who's going to help me? Um, So now I think that definitely helps every pupil, not just the deaf pupils. That's good because when I was in school, I hide my feeling. Mm -hmm. I always hide my feeling. (coughs) When I wake up one morning, right on a Monday, I thought, here we go again. So I don't tell anybody how I'm feeling. I just put my steel uniform, get my bag, go to school. And then, you know the hardest thing for me? Just like what we spoke earlier about deaf identity. I don't, I don't know who I was. Because I have different people threatened. I felt, who do I have about with? I couldn't too, because I didn't know, I didn't know, this is why I thought back over my hearing friend, when I get all that information, I feel more lonely, or would I go with my dead friend, who are deeming me, but I feel, in my opinion, limited. So, after things, I'm going to go both ways. I felt whoever I went to, I was losing friends because I wasn't 100% with them. I was 50-50. And I felt every time I go into a classroom, I just felt like Worrying about who my friends are, worrying about understanding everything, worrying about. I was that person that loved to learn, and I, I would put on my work. And some people would be like, Why are you doing this? Why are you doing this? I didn't know I want to learn. But do you know why? I was determined to leave do it early. Okay. Because I didn't want to be there to death here. I wanted to leave soon that I got my qualification. Yeah. I just wanted to get out of it. It's a lot to do, great. But mentally, I just felt I wasn't getting everything, 100%. Yeah. And I felt, uh, 
We all have thoughts going on from doing what we want to do, coming home from school, going to bed, get out of bed. We have those thoughts in our heads, and I've had that for first to fifth year. But then when I got to fifth year, I thought it's time. For the five, I'm going to be honest here, it's going to be, for the five years, I don't know who my friends are. I don't have any friends from still. Nobody. Yeah. I, and I look back and then I've had to keep in contact with the hearing community. But I, I went with the deaf community. But then everybody went different way. So literally, I've got one best friend from where I was little. She's amazing. But sometimes we'll be with everybody else, we'll go through a journey, we'll go to college definitely, and then come back again. You know, yeah. she's a friend that are always there, yeah. even though we're losing touch, she's still a new friend. Yeah. So I'm so thankful for her. But apart from her, I don't have friends with her. Because and I don't know, Cheryl, if that is necessarily a deaf thing. I'm going to say that. Really? For lots of people, that's a massive... I was speaking... Funny you bring that up. Speaking to one of our students the other day about the fact that you're friends with people in school because you have to be. You have no other option to be friends with these people that you're with five days a week. You have to be friends with someone. You have to hang about with someone. And I think teenagers, it's very binary, as you say. It's very them or that group. It's almost you have to make a choice. Um, For some people, it's like, do you go with the popular kids or people that think they're popular? Do you go with the, um, the kind of studious crowd that want, like, as you say, to study? I think for lots of teenagers, that time... And I know I felt it as well, just listening to you speak. I'm like, I had all those feelings. I had the same thoughts. But for the deaf pupils, it's magnified. It's, you're between two worlds. You have the hearing world on one side and you have the deaf world, deaf community on the other side. And it's, how do we make them meet? And for teenagers they don't meet, they don't marry up. And we have students just now that if they listen to this, mm-hmm. the students that I have just now, um, it's very obvious that I'm with my hearing friends. I take nothing to do with the deaf community. And others who have that safety in the deaf community in school and the hearing impaired department as we are, there's a, 
and almost a, a comfort of knowing I've got somebody, somebody that understands. So I created a lunch club on a Tuesday where all the deaf kids are invited to have lunch together if they want to give them a safe space and a space just to come along and be like, oh, I can be myself and you all get it and we can have a chat and we've been watching Strictly Come Dancing. <laughs> it's educational, I promise. Um, where, we, where we watch Rose on the telly because then we're watching a deaf role model and we're chatting about it, but there are still, and I get it, there are still some deaf young people who are like, no, I'm not coming to that. No, that's not for me. No. And I'm like, cool, that's who you are. And I just worry as you're saying, that when they leave school or they then think, oh, I should, I should have. What if they watched them and that went through too mm-hmm. and thought, I'll go there to yeah. get a deep bay? Yeah. What if, because Rose, I think you're done the final. Mm-hmm. And when that's over, what are they going to do? Who else is going to be yeah. by them? Who do they watch then, yeah? So I think at time... Gather all that together from when I was to show. I found what we've done there, that was spot on. Create a deep bay. Yeah. I think it's time to do more of that. And I think it's time to bring in a great show deaf people, videos, or even in person, bring more of that out and show. You're number one on my list. From them. <laughs> yeah. That's what they need. Mm-hmm. I think they need to see. We've spoken about they need to see life beyond school. They need to see that you're deaf for life. So in school you get that support from a teacher of the deaf. You've got that support from an audiologist or from, say, um, the hospital when you get your hearing checks and things. When you're an adult, as you've found, there isn't as much support, there isn't... It's, it's harder to find interpreters. It's harder to find accessible ways to, to lead a normal life. And I'm saying normal there because what's normal? But I think sometimes our students, the fear for me, I'm trying to say that the Tuesday lunch club is great and it's one lunch a week. So it's one out of five. Um but my fear was, am I creating that safe space where they're so safe that they then don't branch out? Like you're saying then, they're, they're not going with their hearing friends. Like, oh, it's so hard. It's so hard but to manage. But you have to be dead, people. It can be anybody that wants to get involved. Yeah. What if it's time to do? I want to learn more about deaf people. Why can I not come to? Yeah. Why can I have a hole? So, funny you should say that. And if they want to deaf person... They probably feel, oh, I need to teach her, I would need to be more kind to yeah. her, or I would need to train her a more. So it started as a kindness club. So I started it as a, a kindness club, we called it the Kindness Collective, where anyone could come, and it really was to target some pupils, especially in first year, who they just didn't know where to go at lunchtimes. Lunchtimes are scary. It's a big place. I hated lunchtime. Me too. Me too. <laughs> so it's a big place. You don't really know where to go. There's big ones who seem like grown-ups. They're like adults. You're tiny. You're missing primary school. It's horrible. So I started the kindness club for everybody. And what I found, I think it was maybe because I was running it, it was all the deaf pupils coming. And then we weren't really getting a chance 
to really speak about death issues. So it flipped. Instead of having anyone coming along, I then made it, we'll just have the deaf pupils. But now you're saying that, maybe it should be bring your hearing friends along and say, drop in and do some deaf awareness and make it a place for all because, yeah, it's now become, it's this cliquey deaf club, which is lovely and I love it um, and it is a safe space for them all. Because you might get people that who are hearing feel lonely. Yeah. They might want to come. Yeah. And they probably be more comfortable being in that environment. Yeah. We don't want hearing people to feel alone. I never want to, I, I always, when I go to events and stuff, if you don't quiet, I think I'm there. But I want that person to be involved. Included, yeah. So if they have that in school, but other, there might be children who are getting bullied. Yeah. They want to come with that. And they start to understand when they deaf community because sometimes they get bullied. Yeah. So it could be a deaf place for all the children. And the more of that, I would, in my dream, I would think when I was up there, I was up there, Banky bean bag. Yeah. And a big tail. Yeah. And you can walk at brace to people or you know, just do they do trap? Do they death children to trap? Or that because of the COVID? No, no, no. So we've got one coming up. So in December we're doing the um HID day out, so the hearing impaired department day out. And we are taking them to Brayhead. So they've chosen the activities they want to do. So trampolining, uh, mini golf, bowling. Um, what else? What else was that? Laser tag. And then we all have a lunch together. And then we all come back to school. So that's like our Christmas day out. Um, and hopefully through the year, we can have other days out. Come and visit the podcast studio. Like I was more thinking <laughs> about and stuff. Do they do about it? So some of our pupils have like a day at college, so they have like a link course, so they do... The day pupils? Mm-hmm. Some of them, yeah, so one of our six years is at college on a Thursday, so again, getting that support of a kind of taster, like trying college. Um, I didn't have that in my time. So yeah, so some things have changed. So that's good. And do that person get the pool? Yeah. Yep. So that the potent day to be alive, but it's wrong to get into poor. I didn't, I did went left to, went to college, I did, I did everything on my own. I had to port quality, but my mindset was much better. Do you know why? When you go to college, everybody's got this different personality, this different, you know, when I was at graphic design, there was a girl, she would, Mark Dodo, you know, and I think she felt like she was talking to the mum of the group. Yeah. So I went to her because she felt like that, and I felt like I was there to be connected. And then she would support me, and I was, just, you know, damn tired of always connect with someone. Mm-hmm. I call because nobody cares. I think it's as well in school, you're trying to fit in. And when you leave school, there's that sort of, you find out really who you are. So um, there's always that phrase like, find your vibe, and then you find your tribe. So you find you find your people. So you then find, rather than having friends because of locality and because of being stuck with them in a year group, you then find people who you have something genuinely in common with, that you have 
a shared interest or you have that compassion for each other I think there's an empathy there then when you find other people in college or uni going through what you're going through that comes with maturity I think that you don't see that really in secondary schools because teenagers are still at that stage of finding who they are not a lot of them Mm. know their own self yet to then find other people but how do you help with the mental health how do you how do you make you like, I can never do that because I'm there. Nah, I'm not good enough. Or, how can I do that if I'm there? Do you have it broken about that? Uh-huh. That they can do what they want to be? 100%. So, how do you support them making do? So, we. I don't do. know about to. Okay. I, I don't want to be tattooing anyone. I've been honoured possible because I want them to change. I've done the change now. I want things to change even better in a five-year time, ten-year time. The more we talk about it, because some other students might find that interesting. Yeah. It might help other students with their people. I think in supporting them... Mm, get, with one thing, like parents are probably worrying at home with my child, okay? Yes. So uh-huh. how do you prepare for all that? So the mental health aspect... Um, so we have an open-door policy of the kids... The kids. The young people, um, especially in our department, they know, come in whenever. The door is open, you come in. If you need us, we are there. There will be a teacher of the day for you. I love that I would give anyone to my mum. Okay. Wow, that's amazing. Okay. So, um, the other thing we have, for some students, some of them have the family support where I could pick up the phone and talk to mum and it's a quick catch up, hello, how's you doing, sorted. For other people, there's that sort of school's a barrier. Um, you don't have the same connection with the parents. So I think parents definitely helps when you're dealing with mental health. Um, I think the world is changing now with regards to mental health. It's spoken about more. The pupils, the, the young people are aware of it more. They'll chat about their feelings quite openly. Um, and I think because we know our pupils in the department so well, we're always chatting. So the staff are always aware of what's going on with all of them. Um, I would say we're quite good at that in our school now, which makes me really sad that you didn't get the same experience. But I think it was a different world back then. I think it was. For mental health in general, not... Is it what? No, uh, I don't want to do it. Uh, those media, it's not... Those media, the biggest, the biggest thing, mm-hmm. mainly here. Yeah. The children. Yeah. Uh, we didn't have those media all the time, did we? No. No, we didn't. It was like people or something. <laughs> oh, we are, yeah, people, MySpace. That was when I was at uni, so that is like early 2000s. So you're talking 20 years, like the past 20 that years. That was nothing but underground and all that. Don't, don't get me started. <laughs> but, um, no. I'd amazing what they do now. I think that's what I was more concerned about mental health support. Talk about the feeling. I'm glad that introduced it. And if there's any children out there or anybody or anybody that have a death children with children and you want to know, find out more information, contact me and 
I can ask London for tips and stuff. I'm really more than happy to help. And that's where there's things online as well, like your NDCS and other charities. Um, there are charities out there for deaf support, and part of that is mental health. Part of that as well is supporting the parents because kids will always feed off your emotions. Kids know how the parents feel, and if the, the parent is anxious about how are you going to be at school and how are you going to cope and you're you're going to struggle because you're deaf, the kids are going to feel that. So, and I a, know. Lot, a lot of how you've, your story, the family support is massive. I need to be careful here because my son is there. I don't want him picking up my worry because mm-hmm. I'm already thinking my feeling, I'm worried about him. Mm-hmm. But things are changing. He hears with his cockroach, do well, he doesn't even react to me directly. So I know he'll be okay, but it's because I've got a hearing daughter mm-hmm. and a deaf son. I'm not comparing, I'm just thinking, oh, he's going to be okay to be fine. What about him? What about the lack of support and stuff like that? Mm-hmm. I go through what hearing parents go through. Yep. I know I'm thinking, but he's deaf. No, I go through what other mums go through. Doesn't matter if you're deaf or hearing. They just want the best for new tires. That's why I'm making sure they've done a lot of information, a lot of knowledge. Let's talk about more about that. So people can listen from a deaf experience or from a teacher with a deaf experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, lots of different experience. The more we talk about this, the more... What do I... Just raising awareness, I yeah, suppose. It's an more, awareness, isn't it? It's something that we can talk about more. Yeah. Because I feel like when it's something we can talk about, I mean, it's forgotten. I think it's time starting from today when we're talking about this. There's more people talking about different things. And that's where you are like a beacon of light in the deaf community now because this podcast and everything that you're doing to raise awareness and just giving deaf young people or other deaf people a role model or somebody. So um, I follow a couple of people online and they speak about pips. So proof it's possible. So you're a pip. You're proof it's possible. So to show someone that there's someone doing it so for any young deaf person who's been told, oh, you can't, or you won't speak, or you, you can't do that job, or you can't do it because you're deaf, you're a pip. You're proof it's possible. Oh, uh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, I just want to, I went through a lot of anxiety, a lot of, I think, Sorry, the long pause. Did you just try and get the right one? No. I think okay. uh, I just don't want anybody to go through what I went through. I'm making do everything as I'm for the for the children because it's a horrible feeling. Mm-hmm. You know, not yourself going to school for deaf people to feel more isolated, to feel more. I just want to make do everything accessible for them, everything by. I, c- I, c- I couldn't ask for help. Mm. I was scared. Yeah. So, yeah, I wasn't doing fantastic. I wish I had that too. But anyway, I'm here. I'm doing my podcast. Getting my experience to move forward and help other children. Okay. I've not really, like, heard any other podcast. Nope. So, 
I want more people to talk about it on podcast. The more people talk about it, like, if you have someone, like, uh, in business, if you got a, a dead person working for you, could you please get that person to, what's your talk about what they're going through and let the still know all the other person because the most there are a lot of deaf people working but they're not doing to the other deaf people they make them yeah i was working in council for 13 years nobody knows they're a deaf graffiti designer because it's not been spoken about you know what i mean so if it was that an employer they would think oh let's promote Let's promote her and our businesses and so we are sustainable, we're making sure if we throw that out there and the more we have, the young deaf children can see it. And I think it's instilling confidence in the deaf young people or the deaf individual that if you are in a workplace, it's putting yourself out there, isn't it? It's having the confidence to say, here's my obstacles how could we overcome them and also here's what I bring to the business so whether I'm deaf or not here's what I kind of add to this workforce so it's having that self-worth and self-confidence I think um, and that's what we have to instill in the deaf young people in school at the moment is to say you can do anything and almost helping them to own being deaf to say I'm deaf could you repeat that I'm deaf could you face me having the confidence to put that deaf awareness and it's not like it has to be a nine to three nine to five course of we are teaching deaf awareness it maybe just has to be a deaf person in the room having that confidence which is so hard but putting their hand up to say sorry I'm deaf could you take your mask down could you face me or could you turn the other way so that I can lip read? Having those little nuggets of information will probably be better deaf awareness than giving someone a course and they forget it. Because not a lot of deaf people have confidence to do that. And that's the catch-22 of instilling confidence in deaf young people while they're at school and showing them that they're capable and that they can and giving them a voice or... I say voice because it could be through sign and allowing them the skills or giving them the skills sorry so that they can spread deaf awareness because it it almost has to come that's again we've come full circle because going back to the beginning of why are more deaf people not in those professional roles they don't have the confidence they don't step up to then say I could do that so, and that's a systemic issue. It's not from them personally. It's the way they've been treated at school. It's the way they've almost, as you say, been hidden. So, confidence and self-worth, I think, is massive. I keep saying massive. Confidence and self-worth is a really big deal in order for them to know they can do anything, to go and be anything, and to actually then take on those roles so that they are a deaf role model for someone else. Do you need to get career advisor doing anything coming in? Yeah, so we've got a career advisor three days a week. Do they talk about deaf people? Do they... <laughs> so one of, our, <laughs> one of our deaf students got a text message to say, your career appointment is 
on Tuesday at two o'clock come and see the careers so she was like oh my god like if I had to leave school so she was freaking out because she was like oh no like is this them telling me that I've got to leave and I've got to go and get a career so I was like no this is your chance to ask questions because she was thinking more I'm going to be interviewed and I was like no 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 this is you interviewing the career advisor to say what can I do what is available and what are the could I flourish in? Because are the career I think so. They're part of the staff training, so I think they've had the same training as the teachers. Could I had a career advisor? Do I do I don't think she would be The welcome here to Titan, I think she was just putting up for. Okay. So I think she would like. Um, not a career. Quite a limited view yeah. of what you could do. Okay, that's interesting. I want Now you're saying that, I'm now, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking in my head, has she had the deaf training? So that's something I'm going to look into now, because I'm like, hmm, I wonder if because the career advisor... Because I feel when you talk to a deaf person about door, it has to be dealt differently. Okay. Because... If you did, if you did to them, what do what it be? Hey, if somebody asked the a doctor, what would that person do to that person? And I hear him point of view. Like, would they, have they ever think in their head and think, oh, they can't be a doctor because they do? Do they? I don't know. They might not, they might not be. I know because from my... How do you be careful? Yeah, I think there's certainly... I can only think of a couple of jobs, police being one, where you go through a medical. I think fire service might be another one. Again, someone might correct me on this. There are certain professions that because you go through a medical beforehand and hearing being... And a pilot pilot hearing being a key element of the communication aspect of listening to radio listening to environmental sound there's a lot of of aspects where um at the moment i don't think you can how do you deal with that confidence i can't be a fireman yeah how do you have to put a baby with it you can't because my son is that and oh, I want to be in the priest, I want to do that. I've got my heart to tell him, no, you can't, because I'm hoping he don't need that. Things might change in 10 yeah, years. Yeah, I was just about to say, 20 years. there's also the, that element of, I'm I'm literally in my head thinking, why can't they do that job? Like, what else could be put in place that, again, as you're saying in the future, that will the nature of that job might change that yes you can do that job like it used to be a height thing remember you had to be like five foot six or something at being the police and five foot seven and now that's all changed so I think times are changing and uh, there's I would like to think there's more equity and equality in career choices now Um, but they're the ones that popped into my head when I'm like they are the roles that we would probably have to say to a deaf person. And it's hard. It is hard if they were to say, I want to go into the police. 
to tell them, I don't think you can. But those are the only ones that really right now are popping into my head. Um, there is a whole other array, like a, a ginormous amount of jobs out there, career paths that deaf individuals would be brilliant at. Because, i give you an example, do you want to priest? Yeah, a lot of roads I can do. Yeah. Right, you know how to get um, crime? Mm-hmm. Read the computer, you look at the media, mm-hmm. you can do that. Yeah. So, do you want to come, I think it's time to add in titles mm-hmm. up the bar. Mm-hmm. So if you can't be a pre, a lot of people think pre means walking out and do it, arrested someone. It doesn't necessarily mean that. Yeah, it so could be anything. They can't really be a police constable at the moment, I don't think. However, you are right. They could work for Police Scotland. They could have another role within that umbrella of police. Yeah, absolutely. Because they so many things change them. Mm-hmm. And again, that was my very, there's me showing my very ignorant, narrow view um, that when you say, like when I said police, I was thinking, yep, a police constable walking the beat. However, you're right, it then would be saying to that young person, well, have you thought of other areas within the police? Yeah. Do they not forget this? They know they can do something? Yeah. It's, I think, though, it's difficult if that young person has put their heart or has their heart set on a specific job and there's only a couple where you go yeah uh, but that's you don't want to say no yeah you know, it's better to do something here yeah you know. here's other options here's yeah. something similar absolutely and also i know that uh, i think they did a person to paramedic mm-hmm. i don't know how but they, they had a doctor who did yeah so they asked them. Oh, I think, and I think, as you said earlier, people wouldn't even realise that some people are deaf, especially um, it's harder sometimes with a deaf woman because of the longer hair. So it hides the AIDS, it hides the cochlear implant. So sometimes you wouldn't know that there's an additional need there or, or that, that deafness, like, it's hidden. So... There probably are lots of deaf people in lots of roles. You just don't know it. When they do work at mm-hmm. do they go the work at they want to do or do they go anything? Because I remember my time and she'd have to pick. Mm-hmm. Do they do that? Yeah. Uh, not recently because of COVID. Um, that's a good question. So I've been in that school now three, my goodness, three years so there was only one year that would have been COVID-free. And yeah, I think it was. They choose... It's almost up to the, the pupil to kind of organise a work experience or something is found for them. Um, and I know that of one young person who worked locally and it was like a, join, a joinery company. And he wanted to be an apprentice joiner, so he went and did that. Um, so yeah, it is. It's pretty much up to whatever they want to choose. They go and do. Would they rather do that, or do they think it will be to for them to go work and be in someone who is there in the employment? I mean, that would be amazing. But they are enjoying it. 
de øh, er der kommet ud, der er det. Mm-hmm. Det er det, jeg ved med dem, der er der pladsen, der kører i væggen, de har jo tænkt mig noget lidt i det. Du tænker, de er der, du må ikke bilde den, der er en god dag, du må ikke bilde den her pladsen. Ja, det er jo en, ja. Du er der, man kan lade for dig, der er der kommet ud, dem, du må døde dem, han tittede. Og der kontaktede mig, at jeg ville blive vandring til vokbegræk, og der tænkte jeg, at jeg ville få håndtet på dagen. Ja. Og det er sit bare nyt, hvad får man klar ind? Der er sit bare, at du i mine år, der gik mig ved, du ved. Du vil gå bare til du, der har været der med her, for det fleste. It's amazing, now that you're saying that, I'm like, that absolutely has to be a thing. So when work experience comes back round, I am going to put that out there of how many deaf professionals can we find and ask and again it would it would obviously be up to the individual and also depending on what the student's career choice was but um for example we found um there's a deaf toddler group uh, locally so we're s- daisy park center yeah edit that out. Oh, yeah. thank you for mentioning that. They do um, BSL, level one. Yeah. So if anybody wants to learn BSL, contact them. I, I can't remember the name, but I'll link them below. So, um, yeah, because so, I had too many people asking me. Yeah, so, so they, they do level one, but if you want to try it out and see how it goes, I'll add the link. So, yeah, Daisy Park Centre. Okay. So, one of our um, young girls was looking at working with children so we had asked if she could go up and help with the toddler group the deaf toddler group so that she was seeing deaf adults deaf grown-ups running a group how they communicated um just what was involved from a deaf perspective that we wouldn't be able to give her that it's local it was work experience and There were deaf adults there, so we thought that would be brilliant. Um, so we're looking into that. I think that's been approved. Um, but for work experience, I absolutely think that's a genius idea of finding a deaf person in employment and shadowing almost, like working with them. And it almost doesn't really matter what... Until- Obviously, it does matter what the job is to a certain extent, but just to see a deaf grown-up And how they communicate with the yeah. hearing people. Yeah. It won't be a to the deaf company. It will be a deaf person who working in a hearing company. Mm-hmm. So they can watch how we communicate with them and they can watch your eye. Yeah. I think it's time to do everything with your eye. Yeah. And give them those skills. Please. Give them those skills for life after school. Absolutely. I think that's important stage of their life to think. Yeah. Life after school. I think that's important. Mm-hmm. I think so. Yeah. Could I'll be honest with you, I love primary school, great memory, high school, blocked out my mind, gone. Quarry, it was good, it was hard work, but I got there. If I had something ready for me leaving school, going into further education, like for example, life experience, do you know how deaf people, what they do? I feel we have a better mindset. Okay. Moving forward to yeah. further education because they can do that. I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that because I don't want them. I'll be honest with you. When they leave jail, I don't know. Eh, a lot of people have gone college, ignorant. They would rather get a job yeah. because they're scared. 
sure a few jokes about you more of life experience, like when I do my jokes and stuff like that. I feel it might change how we see the future. Yeah. Um, and one more thing. The group of you to remember my mind went blank. If I was going to career finder. You got it written down? No, I'm not going to write anything, but it gave me my head. Don't move me. Cut that crap out. Role <laughs> um, model, working with someone who's deaf, shadowing them. I remember our apprenticeship. Okay. Did we talk about apprenticeship and still? Yes, but again, they are few and far between. So there aren't that many, there aren't many apprenticeships these days. And again... Cut it down. I don't want to name a country, but then I don't come to I don't know any country. I'm pretty still to have a printing tap. Yeah, um the put on and you can work with different printing tap. Right, okay. Um I know that apprenticeships exist. How many there are? I don't have a figure, I don't have a statistic, however, um, there seems to be a lot less in the kind of, the, the yeah. past year, in the past few years, there seems to be a lot less apprenticeships as a route to work. The, the sort of standard route seems to be college or uni, and that's how you then go and find your own your own job rather than the apprenticeship and working on and the job. That, that another hard bit. Look, when you re, when you qualified and then looking for a job, mm-hmm. that's another. Yeah. The, I was so lucky that I got my job the after college. Because I just went and did it. And do you know why I got that job? They asked me that question. If you were in a meeting and you didn't know what was going on, what would you do? In my head, why did they ask me that question? But I thought, you know what, I'll be honest, I just did. I would put my hand up and say, stop. Can you someone put one at a time? Or stop. And they did. That was them that pressed them because I was um, confident. It showed confidence, I got yeah. that job. So, if I hadn't did that, well, I've got no job, not to want to think that, but what I'm trying to do, there might not be some people that have the confidence. No. So, um, it's time we talk more about that, and, yeah, I think so, because I want to help people get a job. I don't want them to leave though I'm working in something, because I feel they can't do it. Yeah. I don't want that to happen. So, I think at time, maybe, could, I don't know if you heard them, Roy. Mm-hmm, yeah. I don't know if they come out, just do yeah. Talk about because they talk about um, girls and barriers and stuff like that. The more information, details to all, I think it will be amazing for deaf children. So I'm going to take and see if there's any, anything else you want to do. I don't think so. I think just having someone like you locally as a role model for our students, I already know. I'm already thinking of, I've asked you in to come to our Deaf Lunch Club. Um, I would love you to speak to the pupils. I already have a, a pupil in mind who I know would love all of this as a future career path. So um, I think what you're doing is wonderful and just keep doing it. Do you know what? You've me an idea. I would love to try and find workshop. 
Mm-hmm. They do a podcast about jobs. Yeah. Um, just bring companies and job at My friend does podcast workshops. Does she? Yes. She's local. But anything like that. Connections. But anything like that. Just to give me a bit of confidence. Maybe um, before I... I don't want the people thinking, but I can't be there all the way. You can down to the camera. Yeah. The couple of YouTubers that mm-hmm. down. Yeah. Like a captain. So if you're down, captain. If you speak, captain. The yeah. captain will support you. Mm-hmm. So that's important. Captions are so important and subtitles are key. We find that in our work. Um, so there's mixed captions, the app. Subly is another one, which is good. Some of these you do have to pay for, but, um, and as you know, it's time consuming. It's quite, it's hard work typing in all the captions, but. Um, when I found a tuition for that, I knew, well, it's been a long one. I in no way can type it out. I need a company called com. Okay. So after that, I'm when the Greg, the podcast, made a wee video, got it all ready for me. I upload to them. Ah, and okay. it because it's a human yeah. typer. They'll type it all for me. And they'll take the file. And I can check it all. So it'll only take me about an hour. Perfect. If I didn't have that, I'd probably be here for a month. <laughs> <laughs> I know, but one of the students... We're she, back. One oh. of my students does YouTube videos and she's like, oh, miss, I spent so long typing out captions. And it is, it's, it's hard work, but... Things like, obviously, when you're paying for it or getting someone else to do it for you, then, genius, it's needed. Because if you don't point deals, for example, if you have a video and I don't have captain, go to that company, they would do it for you. Mm-hmm. And you can upload that video yep. with captain. So I'm going to be working on a lot of them on my website. There will be a lot of videos, a lot of them. I'm going to put all that on. And yeah. if you want to visit my website, learn I'll be make sure that we do teach for you to learn. So I think that's everything. It's a big long one, I think. <laughs> we um, had a lot to say, Cheryl. What? <laughs> we had a lot to say. Yeah, I think... Regan awareness. Yeah. I just think... Uh, I'm hoping if I started this video, there's more people out here talking about it. Yeah. Because, like I say, mental health, making sure we're not isolated, Clustered as you can, get them involved. What's your work experience? You know, I think it would change them mentally how to move forward to the future. I agree. Having nothing worried me what they think the future. I can't do it. I mean, road from thirty has started. Yes. See the buying, see the natures from it then just. So, eat dinner. Yeah. I've never walked any store that had a dead person, and she's the first person to do that. That exploration, isn't it? Yeah. And, yeah. So, if we do more dead people in their career, yeah. the more people do it. So, I'm excited to see what's going to happen. Thank you. I'm excited to see what you're going to do next. So I know I'm, I'm, yeah, I think that everything's recovered. Yeah. And do you want to say bye? 
Um, yes, thank you for having me. It's been wonderful. And thank you for coming. But taking your time. Um, thank you. <laughs> I do. Yeah. I hope you enjoyed listening to that. And if, again, if you would like to find more information or ask me anything, contact me. We'd be more than happy to help you. And yeah. Bye.